Okay. Hello, everybody. It's Mary Lynn Harris of Hard at Work, and I'm doing this podcast series about how to create an impactful legacy for your business. So the reason why I started the podcast series is because it's really about promoting kindness and uh, all the other issues about workplace culture in the workplace. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, today I have with me Andrea Brockenbach. Did I pronounce that right? And, <laughs> and she's um, a cultural person, but I'm going to let her tell you more about herself rather than me explaining it all to you. So anyway, welcome, Andrea, and so glad to have you on my call today. And we are working on Monday, the holiday weekend. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Andrea, tell everybody how you got kind of got started in doing your work. Um, Absolutely. So Marilyn, uh, it started for me connecting basically my own personal dots over my whole career. Um, my background, you might hear from my accent that um, I grew up in Germany, so I have a German accent still a little bit, but then I've lived in the US for um, a long time, over 25 years. Yeah. Um, I started um, studying in San Francisco. I have a bachelor and a master's in international business and international management. Mm -hmm. and sort of got um, stuck in Silicon Valley working for a number of the tech companies. And because of my foreign background, I always wanted to work on the international side. So whatever role I took on, I asked about becoming um, part of the international group. And I either worked with Latin America or intercontinental operations, which also included some Asian areas, or uh, with Europe, which is my expertise, if you will. And um, because of all of this, uh, I've gone back and forth a multitude of times. I've actually had seven international relocations, living and working in other countries. I've worked in Germany again. I've worked in uh, England and London for Cisco. I've worked in um, uh, Spain for a number of years. I've worked across Europe, and I've also worked in Mexico and with Latin America um, for quite a while. So that's kind of what got this whole thing started, but um, always working in corporate sales related roles, either um, with resellers, um, building up the reseller channel, working with uh, strategic alliances, etc. My last corporate job, um, I was actually in Europe, I was in Spain at the time. When that part ended, I decided I want to get out of the corporate world and just else as many people do yeah and I decided to start teaching I taught at an American college in um, southern Spain and while I was doing that I was also developing my own self with coursework in mm -hmm. the cultural field and I've taken on um, courses both in life training in um, the UK, in Germany, as well as in Spain. And I've gone to Portland back and forth. And so I now have um, what I'm doing is cross-cultural training for large organizations. And it could be either in um, relocations when executives move abroad, could be working with multinational teams, it could be integration work after a merger and those type of things. Yeah. So, long story short, last uh, year I actually moved back from Europe to the US and I've been in Silicon Valley um, 
about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a quite a story, quite a life. <laughs> yes, constantly. I'm sure you have lots of little secrets you can tell us <laughs> about yeah. living abroad and doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. so, so tell us some of the challenges or the obstacles you find um, uh, companies in, are having with their employees or maybe like you were saying, like moving from one country to the other. So mm -hmm. that, use that question and that kind of, area in your life your business sure so um, most of the people that i deal with are of course already uh, professionals which means they are well read well informed well traveled mm -hmm. and, um, they already know a lot of the international aspects of their jobs However, what comes often is when it goes deeper, and this is where my work starts, is I sharpen their um, intercultural intelligence or emotional intelligence, if you will, and um, work much more specifically either um, getting them knowledge, um, facts and figures of the particular country they're moving to, mm -hmm. or if they're coming from abroad, like um, about Silicon Valley or the US, including, you know, politics, uh, history, what have you. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that part, which is what I call living in the country, right. the other part, which is actually working in the country, and there are a number of um, different areas of um, cultural differences and cultural misunderstandings that come about because people tend to go from their own filter of how they um, tend to work with people to a different way of working with people. And that's um, where I help them. Okay. Okay. So take us from the time that you work with a client until in that cultural realm of different countries take us from the time you work from a client until you're finished with them can you walk us through that process yes so normally my um, I do workshops they could either be um, half day or full day workshops and depending sometimes it's longer if it's uh, less time involved uh, over a period of time but um, the people uh, they usually have some challenges already when they engage me and mm -hmm. uh, speaking of a work environment and let me do something specific in the German American because that's probably my deepest <laughs> okay. I'm starting out with if foreign executives um, work with Americans the challenge is always they work in English because that happens to be the international uh, business language nowadays right and even though they speak fluently English some of the meanings are different because they might have learned British English or some other type of English mm -hmm. at school, uh, which is quite different than uh, everyday uh, colloquial um, English. And so there might be already some misunderstanding relating the um, language. I'll give you one example. When uh, you work in the US, especially in Silicon Valley, and you're thinking of the word prototype, right. you're thinking of um, some kind of... Um, alpha version of a particular product or software or what have you. In Germany, they're using exactly the same word prototype, but it means it's a fully functioning model. And so when people talk about prototype between here and there, um, what one expects to receive is completely different than what the other expects to receve. That would be a concrete example. 
Another example might be staying with the German-American relationship. Let's look at a software company that has a um, software development project and um, the planning phase in the US tends to be um, very short. Uh, and then you do a long implementation phase because you have several different versions. You have a um, version after it gets released to the customer. The customer decides he wants to have some changes. Yeah. You tweak it, you um, reintroduce version whatever, three or another version, and uh, on it goes back and forth, which is actually, in one sense, very good for the customer because you get the customer input right into the product. But on the other hand, it's never a completely functioning, you know, there's always something missing, perhaps. So, for example, the U.S. does that because of immense uh, competitive pressure. They want to be fast in the market, all of this. The same scenario in Germany is <laughs> a long planning phase and a short implementation because everything is already fully thought through. All the potential problems are being discussed in the planning phase. Mm -hmm. and they have a quick um, um, implementation. However, when the customer then wants to have any changes, um, that would be more cumbersome because people are going like, well, you know, this one has already all of the multiple options that you could possibly want. So why would you yet want another version? And it's less customer uh, friendly, if you will, perhaps. So that might be a concrete example of where these differences come about. And if the engineers involved or the product managers don't realize that in a different environment, people act differently mm -hmm. when it comes to these misunderstandings. And uh, that's where I'm trying to help and, uh, and translate for them. Right. Yeah. As you're describing that, I was thinking, you're like the facilitator in the, you're like the middleman between the two <laughs> countries and the two people that are involved in this. You're like the middleman or the, yeah, or the, the, or the trainer within that. Bridge, diplomat, uh, trying to create that linkage between the two and, right. and, and kind of also make people much more aware of, people may have a different way of looking at the world than your own. Right. Yeah, because we all have our, like you said earlier, our filters of how it should is, be done and how we think it should look like. Yes, and that's actually, so one of the um, challenges then, people tend to look through their own glasses, mm -hmm. their own values and belief system into the world, and they qualify things as being good or bad or... Right normal or abnormal or rational or irrational based on how they grew up how they have their belief system mm -hmm. and um you know this is why um, things come about yeah well it's so good that you have everybody has you to rely on to help them navigate the, the process whatever that is right thank you yes yeah yes. yeah so do you get involved too much with the workplace issues or is it just mostly about dealing from one country to the other do you um it's, it's tricky yeah it's cultural things that i i work with um of course there are portions that are sort of like blending from one side to another right. but it's mostly let's let's uh, say for example you have a, 
a team here in the US in the research and development area for a multinational corporation that is based someplace else. Right. So I might have worked with some of the executives when they relocate to that facility. Yeah. But the team actually is made up of either Americans or people living in the US and not having had that opportunity. So to actually have some kind of a program for that workforce to kind of discuss these things and to perhaps have some sort of like um, um, a few hours of um, knowledge that they are receiving and to get them in the right uh, frame of mind, um, that might be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So what are most of your types of workshops that you, you said you do a lot of workshops? So what are the workshops really about? Yes, as I mentioned, uh, sometimes I contract for relocation companies. Mm -hmm. People move abroad, they get part of the relocation um, project uh, of the relocation um, package that they're receiving. They get um, a number of um, hours that they can utilize for that. So I might work with the executive and his spouse and mm -hmm. the children in getting them settled into the country, which would be one portion, uh, half a day perhaps, yeah. um, another half day talking about, um, you know, how do you negotiate in the U.S.? How do you manage people in the U.S.? How do you give feedback, uh, which is also quite different. Even, you know, some people are more direct or more indirect. When you give feedback, it could be in a sense that, um, you know, even in the States, you give uh, direct feedback to people. When it's negative feedback, you tend to do it in that sandwich technique where, okay, say something good first and then something to be made, uh, you know, uh, improved upon and then have another uh, good thing or whatever, you know, something like that. It's a very um, American technique and in Germany, perhaps, you would just go straight to the point and it's not personal, it's about the discussion or about uh, some issue but it's never personal and people can, you know, um, distinguish yeah. between one and the other versus in the States, I would say uh, people would generally take that very personal and therefore you, you're much smoother. You have a lot of these conditional things like, you know, if you would, would you, could you, um, yeah. so, so your whole talk is completely different. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, Oh, that's maybe why I'm so direct. Cause my mother was German and oh, <laughs> I have a little bit of German. I don't speak it, but um, there's an interesting story about that. But um, yeah, so I'm going, okay, I just go direct. And people, I remember my mother even said to me one day, you're just, just too direct. And I says, well, where did I get it from? You know, like, <laughs> so I just, I solely get what Susan said that, oh, okay, light bulb. So, yeah. so what I mean by these calls, I always get, find something, uh, insights I get when I'm doing calls, even though I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, when you're working or when you're building it into a, a multicultural team, for example, you know, you have issues to deal with, like building trust with the team, mm -hmm. building uh, exercises, um, um, how to sort of like, you know, give more background or less background, depending on, you know, what area of the world you're working with. Um, right. you're working predominantly perhaps with Asians versus Europeans is quite different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so those issues, um, you know, also the difference between having face-to-face -face meetings versus perhaps virtual, um, right. virtual 
communications, how that's even more challenging when you have different um, cultures and different nationalities and they um, don't have that uh, first contact. A lot of the people outside of the US, they prefer to have a some sort of a relationship first before they're doing business. Mm. And um, they wouldn't be trusting the other um, if that part is missing. So those kind right. of things would be important. Yeah. Well, that's why your role is so important in that regard is because they can rely on you to help them bridge the gap to the other side of the pond, if you will, you know, yeah. one pond to the other, like, you know, so yeah. for somebody like you, uh, you know, that would definitely bridge the gap. Yes. One other thing that uh, I'm doing, um, a lot of the uh, European startups, when they come to Silicon Valley, they have a number of these, um, what they call accelerator programs. Yeah. So whether it's the German uh, accelerator, or I, I think the Swiss have it, uh, some, some other have it um i don't know who else but there are quite a few of these here in the valley mm -hmm. so when these companies come they get uh, i would call it like a boot camp you know three months of intensive when they're wanting to enter the u.s market yeah and uh, for the german accelerator i'm a mentor and they have mentors in different areas paid mentors where mm -hmm. it means they're getting um the, the startups uh, getting either help, let's say, on the financial side, like how to deal with VCs or how to collect um, 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 VC funding or how to uh, do pitch training for sure, how to uh, have marketing help, etc. And, you know, different people work with different uh, areas mm -hmm. expertise. And then my area would be the international part. Right, this. right. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. So um, you already shared kind of the clients you work with. Um, who are some other clients that you would really like to have as a client? Well, uh, I think this is something that's actually valuable for almost anybody. And right, right. now, I mostly work with the large companies. Right. Uh, it could just as well be beneficial for medium or small size companies because if any kind of training would be tax deductible. Yeah. Uh, if uh, they would, you know, I, I give you one example. I've had a small uh, client, um, she or a small business owner mm -hmm. who has a acupuncture um, office in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. She's Chinese and uh, has in the past always had Chinese or Asian clients. Right. Even though she's been in the U.S. for a number of years, she didn't have American or other nationalities uh, as um, clients or as patients. Right. And she wanted to know more about how to deal with Americans and um, other nationalities on a daily basis. Right. As her business was growing and as um, she also... Um, you know, there's been a change in the um, healthcare, I guess, that more of the providers would actually pay for acupuncture treatments versus in the past that was a private thing. And right. that, uh, limited clientele, and so now that has increased. The same could be said for real estate. In the real estate market, you more and more have uh, foreign clients or any other business because this yeah. is diverse. And if you haven't concretely worked with other 
nationalities, then that would be a good way to get a, you know, a boot, boot camp training. <laughs> yeah, you should have put uh, together a boot camp training for all small businesses. <laughs> yes. That would yes. be good. Um, I'll mean, take part taking it. And then yeah. uh, your training. Yeah. I've okay. worked a little bit also with uh, foreign students. Uh, there's a, a group of Japanese students that has come to the US for a one-year study abroad program and the organization that actually manages the, um, the transfer of the students, they engaged me to do a, um, a half-day workshop, you know, kind yeah. of getting them settled in Silicon Valley. Right. Well, not while it was in San Francisco, but yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, either here or over there. <laughs> yes. In transit. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So what kind of a couple of tips you'd like to share with um, everyone that you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I think to be aware of. The basis for um, working with other cultures is always getting to know yourself first, right. getting deeper and observing how you deal with the world and how you deal with, you know, what, what are your own cultural preferences? Um, and then the next step is, you know, how to, you know, observe the others. But as you're observing yourself, think of, you know, am I more of a direct or indirect communicator? Mm -hmm. Am I more of a risk taker or do I need a lot more certainty? Yeah. How flexible am I to deal with time? Um, how... Uh, task oriented am I or do I need people... Um, you know, is that the, um, you know, the, do I need more people? Um, am I more people oriented versus the task? Those kind of things. Um, and that kind of gives you an indication already um, how to perhaps see somebody else differently. And then when it comes to, um, you know, seeing the differences, being open, being curious, asking questions, mm -hmm. being um, a lot of these things I think that would be the start of anything and when in doubt ask questions and right. don't make assumptions and prejudge people yeah that's so well said thank you Andrea so I'm so glad to have you on my call today so I'm just going to end the call unless you have any final things you want to say um, thank you for having me on the program I guess and yeah. Yeah, obviously, I think you will post my information on your yeah, website. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been promoting it. Absolutely. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And uh, you'll see Andrea at uh, podcast.hardatworkonline.org. And of course, we'll be posting it on social media so you can find out more information about her and uh, her upcoming workshops. Maybe she'll post them there for us as well or help us with that. And uh, we'll take care and have a great holiday Monday. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Have a day. Bye. Bye.